So I get to introduce our speaker today, who many of you know, uh, Susan Garlinger is going to be speaking to us today, but I want to give you my introduction to Susan because many of you might not know the role that Susan has played in my life. So about 15 years ago, Susan invited me onto her leadership team, and over the course of a year and a few conversations and a prayer time that I didn't know about, God got my attention in a new way, and uh, Susan was very instrumental in my volunteering in women's ministries in the season that I spent co-leading Hearts at Home, in the season that I spent um, even coming in on to staff here. Susan is now on staff as our Bible study pastor. For many years, she was also um, a professor at Multnomah. And actually, I have Susan to thank for my friendship with Laura Scherer, because she used to take both of us up for one class a term to be an interview with women in ministry with the women in her class. And it was because of Susan that I have some views on leadership. And she was my mentor and trained me on leadership training and and my views on women in ministry were influenced by Susan and others. And so I've been really excited to have Susan come and speak to us today. So Susan, come on up, and I'd love to say a prayer for you. Father, thank you for the gift that you have given Susan, and over the years, the places that you have given her to use that. So thank you for her seasons of women's ministry pastor here and teaching at Multnomah and now leading our, the charge for Bible studies here at Salem Alliance. And even today, as she um, brings a message to us, we just pray your anointing and that your words would flow out of her. In your name, amen. Thank you. Sometimes when someone says something nice about you, I think the smartest thing to do would be to head for the door and just, just let something positive from the past stand, but I'm glad to be here, and um, thanks to you for being here. It was probably 20, 21, 22 years ago, I was sitting in my office in Portland, minding my own business, and the phone rang, and it was my gynecologist's office, and they had to cancel my appointment for the next day because my doctor had had a family emergency, and they said, but we will fit you in next month, and I said, oh no, my insurance is changing, and I, I need to get in to get this paid for, and the woman on the other end of the phone said, well, if you're willing to see anyone in the practice, go ahead and come tomorrow, and we'll set you up. So I did that, I went, they ushered me down the hallway, I got into that gown, I was sitting there very humbly, <laughs> very humbly, when, when a guy walked in that I recognized, <laughs> he looked at me, and then I looked at him, and he looked at me again, and then I looked at him, and he spoke first. He said, did you and I go to medical school together? And I said, no, but this past summer, we did have a summer class at seminary together. Yeah, silence should have fallen over that exam room. He somehow should have known, but I think they don't teach this in medical school. He should have turned and walked out. <laughs> and... Maybe it was my responsibility. Maybe I should have told him to turn and walk out. <laughs> Neither of us did. And the next thing I know, my feet are in the stirrups. <laughs> and 
a lovely assistant has come in and is handing him implements, and he's looking up over the sheet at me while he works. <laughs> he turns to the nurse and says, yeah, she and I had this great ministry class together. <laughs> Didn't we? And, and I'm like, yeah. And then he works some more, and he said, why don't you tell her about that class we took? And I said, I just prefer not to talk right now. <laughs> and so for the next, what seemed like six, eight weeks, but I don't think it was that long, he did his work. I went to a happy place. <laughs> and then it was finished. He walked out. And even more humbly than I undressed, I dressed. I opened the door, started tiptoeing down the hallway, and there he was. I thought, surely he'll ignore me and avoid me now for like the rest of my life, I hope. But instead, he looked right at me and he said, was that awkward for you? Now, now, fast forward a few years into the future, and my husband and I are at a wedding. And Nick gets up to go get cake, and I'm like, where are you going? And he said, I'm just going to go get cake. And I said, the pap smear man is over there. You sit down. So, okay, anyway, so now it's later the day of the pap smear. And I go home, I had three roommates at the time, and most every evening we would congregate in the kitchen and we'd just talk about our days. Well, everyone agreed I had had the worst one that day. <laughs> and one of the roommates said, why would Susan have had to have gone through that? And I'll never forget, the other roommate was over stirring her saucepan, and she pulled her spoon up, and she said, I know why Susan had to go through that, because someday she will share it with a large group of women, and it'll bond them all together. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we bond? Isn't it funny the things about us and how sometimes it's instantaneous and sometimes it's slower and more methodical? Have you ever considered that a relationship with Jesus is the same way? That we bond with him, that he is God and he longs to knit our hearts together with his as we look at, as we consider this idea this morning together that Jesus is God and we are not, I long for all of us to realize more and more how he wants to bond with us, how he wants to knit our hearts together with his. We'll try to look at three things. It's his character how his ways are different from ours, and then just the incredible need we have for him. 
first thing, the character of Jesus. Who is he? The Bible clearly teaches from start to finish that he is God. Our God is triune, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is God, fully God. And here are some things that we are saying when we say he's God. He's eternal. He had no beginning and he'll have no end. He's present everywhere, not just here with us, but he's everywhere. He's where all of our people that we care about are right now. He's, he's everywhere. He knows all things. He knows the thoughts I thought this morning and I was glad that no one knew. He possesses all power. There's nothing he can't do. And he does not change who he is revealed to be in Scripture is who he really is. We can count on him. We can count on that. Jesus is God. And we are not. The book of Colossians explains that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So that when we consider Jesus, we know that he lived it. He possesses it, and he comes to us in relationship with all of that godness. When I consider his character, sometimes I'm, I'm wrestling with him. Other times, it's just that I want to be reminded, I want to see a good glimpse of his character, I often go in the mornings to Psalm 36. I want to remind myself who he is. I want to speak who he is back to him. And it always reminds me that he's God and I'm not. Psalm 36 was written by David, the king of Israel, who... Jesus comes through his line. Messiah would come through this line. David wasn't always the king, though. He started out as the youngest of a whole bunch of brothers who often downplayed what David had to offer. He spent many years as a shepherd out on the hillside and in the fields, socially isolated, probably. When the prophet came to town to anoint a new king, David's father got all the big brothers and lined them up, and he forgot that David was out dutifully tending the sheep. And David is the one that God wanted. David was probably an artistic type, playing the harp, keeping a journal. He was known for poems and worship music at a time when probably machismo was a more celebrated trait. He was anointed king, and then for more than an entire decade, he had to run and hide because the king that didn't want to leave the throne was trying to kill him. So David came to know God across the years of his life. David got to know God and God's character in relationship, in good times and in bad. So when we read the psalm we're about to read, we need to realize it wasn't a quick tweet 
in response to something. It wasn't a fast email shot off, but it's ponderous. It's pensive. Look at how David described God. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. David says that God's unfailing love is as vast as the heavens. This is an illustration that keeps getting better. Every time a telescope gets a glimpse of another galaxy or of another star or every time a new planet is discovered, this description of God's unfailing love gets better because we find there's no end. The more we learn, the more we know how vast his love is. David said God's faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. I think he wrote that for Oregonians. <laughs> so, so often we have that cloud cover that could keep us from seeing his faithfulness whether it's the physical cloud cover that makes us think spring will never summer will never come or whether it's an emotional or a spiritual cloud cover that keeps us from seeing things but david knew that the faithfulness of god went beyond that god's righteousness is like mighty mountains god's dependability to always do right toward you toward me it's rock solid like the mighty mountains. Picture when you're driving over to Bachelor or Mount Hood and you're driving along and if you have someone in the car with you from out of town, out of state, they think you've driven them into the forest. And they wonder, are you going to drop me here? Is this all? And then you come around that corner in the road and there it is, the mountain. Well, what David wants us to realize, even when we aren't understanding what God is doing, he's doing right by us. That mountain is there no matter where your car is on all the twists and turns in the road. Just because we don't see it and recognize it all at once, his righteousness is there. God's love never fails. He's an equal opportunity lover. He's not bound up by prejudice. He's not limited in his patience. He's not subject to good days and bad days. All people can find shelter in him. In verse 8, David said, you feed your people from the abundance of your own house. Think about that. God feeds us from his own house. Every summer, my boys go to a day camp. And over the years, we have gotten to know the 
the paid camp staff pretty well. They, they know us, they've gotten to know us. But each year, part of what Daniel and Joshua do is they engage with new volunteer college students who lead the individual groups. So this past August, on day one of the camp, I went back to pick up my boys, and as their college students brought them to the van, one of the young women said, oh, they might be hungry on the drive home because you forgot their snack. And I said, no, I didn't. I sent a carton of Tillamook vanilla yogurt for each boy. I mean, I know my boys. I know they are gaga for Tillamook vanilla yogurt. Every single day of their lives, they eat Tillamook yogurt. It's better than Dairy Queen. It's better than candy, better than cookies. They ate it at their birthday party in October when their friends were having cupcakes. Mommy knows what her boy cubs want, and my refrigerator is full of yogurt. I didn't say that to the poor volunteer college student, but I knew I brought it. All of a sudden, this other mom comes wandering through, and she's kind of holding up this lunchbox. Hey, moms, this was in my boy's backpack. And I laughed, I pointed at that lunchbox, I looked at our college gals, and I said, there's the yogurt. And the young college woman said, oh yeah, the camp director said, no way did Daniel and Joshua's mother forget the yogurt. (laughs) Jesus is God, and he's got way more for you than yogurt. He feeds us from his abundance, from his storehouse. He has everything we could ever need. And he longs to give it to us, to feed it to us. When you're first getting to know Jesus, it might feel slow. Maybe you get to know him a little bit of a time, little bit at a time. That's understandable. We know that's true with any relationship. Maybe you're not even positive that he is who he said he is, but you lean in and your faith grows. And pretty soon you spend time, you get to know him through his word, through relating with other friends. And you come to find out, yes, Jesus is God, but even better, Jesus is God for you and for me. Both the written word and our relational experience with him show us that he's loving, that he's faithful that he's careful with us. He gives us his very best. And like David, we want to come to know him, but sometimes we just wish we could have like a Coke machine God. Put the coin in, get the can out. But wouldn't it stink if we had a Coke machine God that could be controlled by our quarters? Where we sometimes maybe get hung up with God, get hung up in relationship with Jesus, is when we're 
stuck in our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own stuff. We can fail to realize who Jesus is in those times. We can not give him the freedom to not necessarily do everything like we would want him to do. And if we're not prepared for that, it can be a troublesome thing. It can hinder us. So we need to look at this a bit more. And what I'm getting at is you and I are trapped in these bodies. You and I are trapped in this time and space. We're very limited, quite limited, in fact. None of us truly know what's going on even just outside the walls of this room that we're in. But Jesus doesn't have our limitations. Jesus, his ways and his thoughts are different. His viewpoint is different. He is different. And that's something to celebrate. Listen to these words. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. From his perspective, it makes sense. We're not always privy to it. I would say I'm rarely privy. But we can be blind to the fact that this is a good thing. We can be blind to the fact that there are other things going on than just our own thoughts, our emotions, all that's grabbing for our energies and our attention. C consider this thought, this scene with me. I live in the great incorporation city, whatever it is, of Kaiser. And we have the Starlight Parade. Say that you come with me, we get out there early, we put our lawn chairs on the curb, and we wait. And all we know is that the parade will come from this direction, and our kids are jumping up and down with us. Santa Claus is coming. And so we sit, and here comes a marching band, so they think. But all we see on the curb is the tuba player that's coming along, and then next comes the float that our friend's kid is supposedly on, but the kid wound up on the other side of the float. We just see the decorations stuck on the curb. We couldn't even swear to the fact that the kid made it on the float. And then here come the horses prancing by. And we all know about horses at parades. We get caught up and all of a sudden, all we notice is the horse that's going potty. <laughs> We've lost all sight that Santa Claus is coming because we're trapped on the curb in a lawn chair. Now imagine if we could all get up top in a blimp 
and be floating a bit higher, hovering above the parade, we could see the beginning all the way to the end. We would know why things slowed down when they did. We wouldn't see just the tuba player. We would see the whole band. We'd be able to see our friend's kid on the float. All these things that from this limited viewpoint make no sense and actually are not good, from that vantage point above, it does make sense. And that's the viewpoint Jesus has as he looks and sees us. He's perfectly, lovingly, carefully taking care of all the details in your life. And he knows from start to finish what all the things are. We may feel like all we've got right now to work with is a horse going potty. But that's not reality. Jesus knows so much more is going on. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We get so caught up in one day or one season or one decade, one life. But Jesus sees everything. He thinks differently. He acts differently. And his perfect power is over everything. And as we get to know him, as he unites our hearts with his, he will at some point draw us into situations where we just flat out will not stay with him unless we're willing to trust him. Ouch. It can seem like we're waiting and waiting and waiting. We cry out, why don't you do something? But he's coming at it from the position that only the God of the universe gets to come at it from. He's not stuck. He's not baffled. He's not trying to fix this one out because you finally came up with the scenario that he can't handle. No, 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 no. Jesus is God. And we are not. And this vast difference between him and us can often be seen in times of difficulty, times of suffering. Look at this one with me from the Gospel of John. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who'd been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Jesus and his guys are walking along, and this blind beggar is there. He's not someone who refuses to go get a job. Begging was the option he had. 
in that day and time. His parents had likely had years and years of grief as his parents. A baby boy would have meant the continuation of the family line, but not with this boy. A baby boy would have meant someone would take care of them in their elderly years, but not this boy. A baby boy would have probably meant that the house and the yard would have been filled with friends and family, but probably not when this little guy was born. He grew up, he became a man, and day after day, his option was to go out to the highways and the byways. Maybe he took a cup, or when he was really hopeful, he took a bucket, and he just begged. And then add to all that hurt and difficulty. Nobody batted an eye when one of Jesus' friends said, well, who sinned? Was it this guy's parents or was it him? And if you think about it, it would mean he sinned in the womb. There has to be a reason, they think. There has to be a reason. Somebody is to blame for this. And the consequence, maybe they looked down their noses as they thought, are this lifetime of suffering. Man's ways get us to creepy destinations, don't they? But the ways of Jesus don't. Praise him that his ways are different from ours. Jesus explained, nobody did anything wrong. His parents didn't sin to cause this. He didn't sin to cause this. And then just imagine this long, awkward pause. And then maybe somebody dared to ask Jesus, are you saying you knew about this ahead of time? Are you saying that you have a plan and a power to reach into normal people's lives through pain and their hard times, even blindness? Yes, Jesus probably responded. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And that same Jesus who was God then, who is God today and will forever be God, he longs to come into your situation too. He wants to be with you, to minister to you, to transform you, to heal you. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a, an emotional or a spiritual issue, financial struggles. Any number of losses represented in this room, probably. Maybe it's issues surrounding singleness or issues surrounding marriage or children, extended family issues. Fill in the blank. But these things are not surprises to Jesus. He knows, He sees. And he alone can take care of you in it. The book of Romans actually says that God turns us into people who are more like Jesus through our times of suffering 
And then the book of Hebrews gives this shocking picture where God even had his own son suffer. Look at this. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. God took his only son into much, much suffering. Yes, at the cross. But a lifetime of suffering. Think when you are God walking this earth and you have said, I'll walk and be one of these people. He was probably just picked on and mocked and all kinds of things. But God took his son into that suffering and Jesus learned obedience. And then that obedience is undoubtedly what took him to the cross for us. God uses our suffering to make us more like Jesus. And God used Jesus' suffering to save us. These are mysterious things. These things that God can do with the hardest, most difficult parts of our lives. He can bring a transformation in a person from the inside out. He can bring a transformation to a situation that we wouldn't even be audacious enough to ask him to do. These things are possible when we lean into him and not away from him. Have you ever heard of a singer named Lauren Daigle? Probably some of you have. I had never heard of her until this past winter. And now, when I'm driving my van that we call the Mommy Rocket, if Lauren Daigle comes on K-Love, I'm like, hey, everybody, quiet, quiet. My girl Lauren Daigle's on. I, I first heard her song, one of her songs, back in the winter. A friend of mine in another state texted me and said, hey, you've got to hear this song. And then soon after that, my sister sent me a video of her singing, of Lauren singing that same song. And I was like, wow. And I would take my boys on country drives and just hope that she would come on the radio. And her lyrics were deep. Listen to some of the things she's written. Letting go of every single dream. I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wondering never changes what you see. I've tried to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight, no matter what I face, you're by my side. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. And then listen to this one. I could never earn your heart. I could never reach that far. But you have pulled me close. You'll never let me go. I'm safe forever in your arms. And another one. 
Let the waters rise. I will stand as the oceans roar. Let the earth shake beneath me. Let the mountains fall. You are God over the storm, and I am yours. And then listen to this one. God, I give you what I can today. These scattered ashes that I hid away. I lay it all at your feet. From the corners of my deepest shame, the empty places where I've worn your name, show me the love. I say I believe. Help me to lay it down. Oh, Lord, I lay it down. I went back to my laptop and I watched that video again. And no offense to those of you, and there are many in this room who are young and pretty. But I looked at her and I thought, how did someone that young, I even Googled, she's like 25, 26 years old. How did, and then I went back to my little CD jacket to make sure she had written them. She did. And I thought, how is this possible? Where is this awareness of depth with Jesus coming from? So I Googled a little further. And lo and behold, when she was 15 years old, she was stricken with this autoimmune disorder, and basically she missed the better part of two years of school. She was so at risk that most of the time she couldn't have visitors. For the most part, while her friends were going to ball games, going to the mall, worrying about fashion, doing all those things that you do when you're in high school, she was not. I don't know if she ever had a big 16th birthday party. I don't know if she got her learner's permit on time. But what I think I understand is it didn't go like she thought it would go. It didn't go like any of us would want it to go. But somehow mysteriously in the midst of that she learned to worship to praise God she found him so present with her at her time of greatest need I imagine they have something going that maybe few of us have. And in that season of deep suffering, across the days, the weeks, the months, almost two years, there was born this depth of writing, beautiful music, words and descriptions and melodies that bring a depth of relationship with Jesus to life. Lauren Daigle wasn't there in John chapter 9 among the crowd when Jesus said, oh, this guy was born blind so I can bring my power to it and people will see God. But in her own personal story, she was very present as he brought his power in all of its godness. And Jesus in the course of relationship, developed in her a yielded heart 
for wonderful worship music. Think about whatever it is you face right now that's sort of difficult, really difficult, or the most difficult thing you have ever faced. What if that's your doorway to greater depth of relationship with Jesus? Where you know him more fully, where you give yourself to him more authentically. In those places of our greatest need, we have the opportunity to experience him in all of who he is. We realize he alone is really what we need. He alone is all that we need. And in a crowd this big, my fear is maybe some of us think, well, it's for others, but not for me. Look here in Philippians 2. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The verse right above that, verse 5, explains this is the attitude of Jesus toward you, toward me. He left the throne for you. He set aside the glory. He gave up the right to instant gratification. And he came for you and for me. And when he died on the cross, he opened the doorway for you. His attitude toward you is a humble one. He did absolutely everything that would ever be needed to save you, to save me. And he offers us friendship, personal relationship with him. Jesus is revealed to us in Scripture And he longs to be revealed to us in relationship. He longs to knit our hearts together with his. How do we do this? How do we just keep taking one more step with him? David, who we established, got to know God across the span of his life, shared what I think can be a secret. He just simply wrote, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. I don't know what your next taste is, but I do urge you to taste and see that he is good. 
Maybe you're here and you don't know him as Savior. You haven't entered into that personal friendship with him. If you taste and see his attitude toward you is not that of a harsh taskmaster, if you confess your sins, if you come to him, he embraces you, he wraps you up. Maybe you're in crisis and the next place you might taste and see that he is good would be that you would welcome him into the crisis. He won't be shocked. He already knows. Maybe you sense that he's just been nudging. He wants to be closer. He wants to be closer to you. Some years back when I lived in an apartment by myself, I sensed Jesus wanting to be closer. And I I really didn't know how to do it. But one Sunday afternoon, this idea came to me, and I thought, well, what would I do with a friend? And so I got two cans of Diet Coke out of my fridge, popped one open in his chair, popped one open at my chair, and then I just kind of awkwardly began to talk to him like I would have if it had been a friend of the human variety sitting there. I don't know what your Jesus need is, but what I do know, the very best news is that Jesus is God and we are not. And when we trust his character, when we accept, that he's not going to look at every situation like we do. And when we lean in and embrace what he offers us, it changes everything in really good ways. Lord Jesus, we express our gratitude to you Will you, in these coming moments, speak to each one of us? And as you do, will you let us, let us know for sure that it's you, the God of the universe, who speaks? Will you engrave into our minds and into our hearts the things you want to engrave there? Make it so. Amen.